Heavenly Father, have mercy on me this morning. Let me not be an obstacle in the way of the beauty of Christ and the wonder of you as our Father being proclaimed. Father, please teach us what it is to be at your feet, to be still in our heart, to listen. And if we're going to reason your word out, Father, we need to reason it out in faith. Please come and teach us now through your gospel. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I won't do the 20 verses here. You'll be happy to know it's a really long chapter. But let me just start off by giving a slight overview of what's happening here. Paul, as a pastor, is in trouble with a congregation. Fancy that. Uh, It's a congregation that he loves very deeply. It's a church that's been established under him by the gospel. But you read that those last lot of verses and he's perplexed. He's deeply troubled about the flock. The flock has started to listen to another voice. They've started to come under false teaching and false brothers. You know, the most dangerous thing in the church is false brethren. In America, when they had a problem with counterfeit notes, they set up a a thing where they got people in to work through the counterfeit money. And the way they did it was they studied the real thing. They studied the actual real notes so they could pick up the counterfeit. They didn't look at the counterfeit. And what Paul does here in order to renew this church is he's going to bring through what is real, he's going to bring through what is true and he's going to restore them while he's hoping to restore them through the true gospel. And there's a warning there in Amos too, isn't there? And I could have preached from there today if we weren't in a series. And the warning is this, the greatest judgment that can come upon God's people is that they can't hear the word. I will send a famine, says the Lord, not of food or of water, but a famine of hearing the word. And then we have the story of Martha and Jesus. We are in an age of Bible illiteracy at great levels. But the pressure for pastors is then to come down and to dull down their messages. There's got to be, it's got to, that's got to even out. There's got to be an evening out. There has to be the, the effort on the pastor's side and on those reading the scriptures. But we're not there yet. We are in a really unusual age now where Bible illiteracy, not through a lack of intellect, but for other reasons, no longer gets read. That's just a, a fact in the evangelical world. Now, how do you start this sermon off? Well, I had about 20 goes and I came to this one. In the prodigal son story, what was the thing that brought the father so much joy when his son came home? If you remember, the thing that the father most rejoiced in was that he had his son home. He just wanted his son in relationship to him. That's not hard, is it? That's all he wanted. All the sin he had committed was now so pardoned and so forgiven that this son was now welcomed home to the father. But what I want you to think about today is things from the father's side. Not from our side, but from the father's side. What does the father want from his children more than anything else? He wants you. 
He just wants a relationship with you. Now, if some of you come and say, I don't understand that, then I'd have to say, well, hang on a sec, that's pretty simple preaching, isn't it? He just wants a relationship with you. And we did an exercise um, in our confirmation class on Monday night where we broke up into groups and we decided to tell each other personal information. And then we repeated that information back to one another. And everybody got to know each other a little bit. And then I said, would you now share private information with anybody here? Would you start to share your fears with anyone here? And everybody sort of went, no, I wouldn't. And I said, what if there was a person that you could go and share your most intimate detail with and he was your God and he was your father and he would never tell anyone? See the difference between the relationship we have with each other and the fact that you can go to God You can go to him as your father. You can tell him anything and he will never repeat that information to anyone. It's special, isn't it? It's so, so special. And you can never say things to everybody here on earth. There are only some things you can cry out to your father. That's telling you about the uniqueness of the relationship. Well, the Galatians had come to that. They had come to know the father and the wonderful message of the gospel They had in fact been picked up as poor homeless people on the street and taken into the father's home. And yesterday when I was walking along the beach, there was a man who was homeless and he'd built this shack and he had a great view. But like a lot of homeless people, he had uh, clothes that obviously were smelly and old and he, he had this shack there and I thought, that was us. We were all homeless, we were all filthy, we were poor, We were dirty. What does the Father do? He comes in the Gospel, takes you home, cleans you up, blesses you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people say, hang on a sec, that's not, that, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that I was homeless. I don't want to hear that I was poor. Then I'm sorry, you've got no good news. There's no good news for you. The Father rescues poor homeless people off the street and makes them his children and his heirs. They'd heard that message. They had actually come into that message. But now they were hearing another gospel through false teachers and they were starting to put conditions, well, they were having conditions put on them with regards to their relationship with the Father. Now, once you have a condition on by which you can relate to the Father you lose the gospel. The only way you can relate to God the Father is simply through Jesus Christ. Soon as you add any kind of condition to Jesus Christ, you lose the gospel, you lose your joy. You lose the affections of love because it is only Jesus Christ that enables you to have a relationship with the Father. We're doing really simple stuff today. What does Jesus say? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, as soon as you say, no, my relationship to the Father is in Jesus Christ plus going to church. The church is great. It's where you go because you love God. But as soon as you put a condition on your relationship, you fall into the trap of what we call law and tradition. Now, I'm going to teach you something which is quite hard here 
In verses 9 to 10, Paul says to the Galatians, But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by him, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary spirits of the world? Now, when you read elementary spirits of the world, read Satan's kingdom. Just read it that way. Whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid that I may have laboured over you in vain. The great Apostle Paul saying, I might have laboured over you in vain. Now let me explain that. The Jews were given a tradition and that tradition by God was good. So you could go through the Old Testament, you could see the different traditions, you could see the different laws. But that tradition and that law was not given to save them. It was given to them to point them to their Messiah. Now, what Israel had done is they'd taken their tradition and their laws and they had started to religiously keep them with a view to actually being saved by God. In doing that, they actually came under the power of the devil. Their consciences were so yoked with the law and so enslaved to the law that when Jesus Christ came and said, I am the way and the truth and the life of the Father and he proclaimed free forgiveness to them, they crucified him. Their consciences were linked so with law and Satan that when Christ the Son of God came, they said, he can't be the way. And it wasn't because they didn't understand his message. It wasn't because they didn't have an understanding. They understood what he was saying. Now, if you had walked into the churches of Galatia, you would have heard strange conversations. So, welcome to our visitors today. I hope as you visit us, you won't get these conversations. But this is what the conversations would have went like. You would have heard this. Did you hear that George didn't go to the New Moon Festival? Bit strange. Did you hear that Fred didn't get his newborn boy circumcised on the eighth day? He's not in the covenant now. He's outside the covenant because the eight days passed. And as for Katie, I saw her eating pork again. And did you notice Bob's wearing jeans to church? They were the conversations. See, when you start to see your relationship with the Father or or whoever you think you're having a relationship with through cultural laws and boundaries, you then start to put them onto one another. You then start to look at each other through that lens of law, through that tradition and the eyes come upon you. Have you kept it? Has she done it? Has he done it? Would that be a church you want to go into? Hard, cold and religious. And Jesus Christ would have been out there and the sign would have been up, we are a Christian church. That's exactly what Satan wants. Now what's really interesting here is this, is that the bondage that the Galatians are now in to Jewish tradition was no different to their slavery to Satan when they were Gentile sinners. And this is where it's very hard to pick this up, but let's have a look at it together. 
I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the day set by his father. In the same way, we also, everyone in this room, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to Satan's kingdom. As someone who does baptisms... I find that people outside the church, when I start to tell them their liturgy, what they're going to say on the day, they get a bit anxious when I tell them that their child is sinful and unclean. And at one meeting I said, your child's going to go from being a child of the devil to a child of God. Oh, no, he, no they aren't. And I said, well, don't get baptised. See, the slavery that is up there that we're reading about is what we were all under and I'm going to explain that. But first of all, Paul illustrates what it is to grow up in Rome, in a Roman, in Roman culture, as a young child. What he says was the child of the father would have a guardian over him, a taskmaster, and that guardian and that taskmaster would tell him what to do from morning to night. A bit like... Me and my nephew over here, he probably thinks Uncle Chris is always telling him what to do from morning till night. Or different children might think that all their mums and dads do is boss them around from morning till night. Well, what happened was a special person was placed over that child and it was like he was chained, that child was chained to the master. He was still a son. He was still, actually he belonged to the father, he belonged to the inheritance, but while he was still immature, he had to be under that taskmaster. But when the time for maturity came, he grew up and the father would now embrace him, the, the, the taskmaster would be taken away and he would fully be a son and he would then enter into the joy of being a son with the father. That's what Paul is saying. Now, I know this is a bit heavy going, but through the sin of Adam, we were all enslaved. Every one of us was enslaved to what is called the elemental spirits of the world. And let me illustrate this to you. Every culture, every tribe, every nation is enslaved to certain principles and certain laws. And those principles and laws promise them something, either prosperity, joy, hope, peace, salvation and eternal life. Think of the Muslim faith. They are under certain laws, certain principles. Are they not? Do they have a certain promise? Is it from God? No. So, what happened was when one uh, missionary came back from Indonesia from preaching in the jungle, he illustrated well, didn't illustrate, he told the story and I'll, I'll give you the illustration. He went to this jungle and he was there for about five years with the tribe. The first year, no contact with them whatsoever, they wouldn't speak to him. So he learnt the language, he observed the culture and he observed the tribe. Now, whenever a mother had twins, what he noticed was this, they would take both the babies outside of the camp and place them in the jungle to die. It was a curse to have twins. 
He also have noticed very he also noticed that within this tribe were some remnants of the Ten Commandments. You will find there's remnants of the Ten Commandments in just about every culture, language and tongue. There will be remnants of the Ten Commandments even in your own household. But they cannot save you. And so he ended up getting to Genesis chapter 3. He'd gone through Genesis 1, 2 and 3. He gets to Genesis 3 and he begins to talk about the serpent and he says, and he uses the word Satan and they all jump up and they say, I know him. He's the one who gives us our laws. He's our master. Let's put it back here in Australia for a moment. The word elementary means that you are enslaved to an A to B process by which you're going to get to some destined goal. So in Australian culture, you first go to school at around the age of five. You are taught and you are educated and you are examined. In fact, you are taught, you are educated and you are examined for the rest of your life. Everything is performance based. Everything is revolved around reward. If you study hard and you get the right results, you get ahead. Nothing is for free. Has anybody come and bought you a house recently for free? Has anybody just come and decided to put fuel in your car and fill up your tank for free anywhere? Anyone had had that? Nothing is for free. Everything must be earned. Even in sport, you must earn your place in the team. Finally, you go through primary school, you go into high school, you study hard, you move into university, there you get a degree, there you gain a good job, but you earn the job. You finally get married or if you don't, you end up buying a house. So you work, you earn, you buy, you sell. Then you get to a certain age and you're saving for superannuation and then finally you retire and then you die. There's the system that Paul is talking about. A to B process. The whole of your life you're enslaved to that system. Now as Christians, Christ frees us to live within that system, doesn't he? So education is great, providing it's not a means to an end, but a serving of God in vocation. So Christ frees us from the bondage of that A to B process which Satan holds people in and under. Have a look at the culture of the Trinity. Let's have a look at the way in which God works. And let's have a look at why we find it so difficult to live as Christians. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son for enemies. There's your first countercultural word. He sends forth his Son for people who hate him, for the homeless, the poor and the dirty. God becomes a man. How's that? He joins himself to the human race and says, I'm one of you. Have a look at God. He's now a man. He's born under the law. What he does is he keeps the law wholeheartedly for us. For us. Again, think about that. He does everything for us. So far, the only thing we've done is sin. 
That's all we've done. And he keeps the law for us in order that he might redeem us from being under the slavery, under the bondage of all that we've just talked about so that we might receive... Hang on a sec. What are we doing? We're receiving. We are receiving adoption as sons, the full rights of sonship. This is where it gets difficult. Your conscience and my conscience is aligned with works, earning, effort. The culture of the Father, the Son and the Trinity is free gift and our conscience struggles to be yoked to Jesus Christ. The work of the Father in the Son is outside our culture The Father does the work of buying us back. He pays our debts for us. As I said, who's coming to pay your mortgage? Off. The Father pays our mortgage off. He takes the debts of our sins in Jesus Christ. He pays it off fully. Every last drop and tittle of our sin and our guilt has been finally judged in Jesus Christ and we haven't even responded to it because it still happened at the cross for us. But not only does God judge us, take the judgment, and not only does God as judge acquit us of guilt and the guilt of our sin through Jesus Christ, but He takes us home as our Father. What judge says not guilty, now come home and be my son? What judge acquits you of all your sin and guilt and says to you, come home and be my son, the whole estate is yours? Our God does. Our God and Father does that. And see, the number one thing that you need to keep in mind is what does the Father treasure the most? He treasures the fact and the truth that He has brought you home into His presence through Jesus Christ by grace, through faith and there's nothing between you and Him. There's no sin between you and Him. There's no guilt between you and Him. There is simply Jesus Christ standing there, you in Jesus Christ, you robed in the righteousness of Christ. Because We are the Father's children. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts and the culture of our hearts now cries out, Abba, Father. And I thought about this much. Recently we saw the death of Muhammad Ali, didn't we? Some of you might be too young to remember him. Who remembers Muhammad Ali here? Do you know what his cry was? I am the greatest That's the cry of someone under Satan's kingdom. Our cry is, Abba, Father. Why does he use the word Abba? Why doesn't he just say Father? Abba is Jesus' own cry to the Father. Abba is Jesus' cry on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. 
The cry of Abba is Jesus, the Son of God, and the Spirit brings the Son of God into our hearts and we cry from the heart of Jesus. Our relationship is a participation, a sharing in the Son's very own cry to the Father. You and I would never cry out, Abba Father, if the Spirit of the Son had not come into our hearts. And if you've never cried, Abba Father, here today, if you've never cried, Abba Father, God has reconciled you to Himself in Jesus Christ, not counting your sins against Him. Enter in to knowing Him as your Father today. Let me finish with a story from a guy called Russell Moore. You can find this story in Noel's commentary. He tells the story of what happened when he adopted two sons from the squalor of a Russian orphanage. The two boys walked out into the sunlight, terrified. They had never seen the sun. Do you believe that? They had never felt the wind. They had never heard the sound of a car door slamming or heard the sensation of being carried along at 100 miles an hour down a Russian road. He noticed that the kids were shaking and reaching back to the orphanage. They wanted to go back there. He whispered to the children, that place is a pit. If only you knew what was waiting for you. A home with mummy and daddy who loves you, grandparents and great-grandparents and cousins and playmates and McDonald's Happy Meals. But all they knew was the orphanage. Do you get it? They had no other reference point. That's all they knew. The squalor was all they knew. We knew the boys had acclimatised at our home and that they had trusted us when they stopped hiding food in the high chairs. They knew they would get another meal and they wouldn't have to fight for scraps. Inheritance. You have an inheritance, you don't have to fight for anything. Brothers and sisters, do you still feel the orphanage? Do you go back to what you know because it's safe? Do you hide behind tradition and law because you're afraid that God might find you out or someone else might find you out? You don't need to be afraid of your Father in heaven. He has found you wanting and he has cleaned the mess up He's taken you home and you are no longer a slave but a son. Listen to verse 7. Listen to the proclamation. So then you are no longer a slave. You are no longer a slave but a son and therefore an heir through God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all this morning. Amen.